Hello, everyone. Thanks for checking out this special episode of Really Dicey. This is Manny, and I'm here with Francesco Nepitello. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about dun, 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 the One Ring Art role playing game, second edition by Free League Publishing. Uh, congratulations on uh, the successful Kickstarter and having this printed and being sent to uh, fans and backers all around the world right now. So, last time we talked, uh, it, was, it was still in the early Kickstarter stages. Well, with this book and the other access, uh, uh, items with it. And we were still trying to talk about like uh, what's going to be in there, what's not going to be out. And I have to say right now, this is a very beautiful book. It actually reminds me of another book that really publishes that I love a lot, which is uh, Vason. And yeah. it's interesting, like the, the, the way it feels and like there's role-playing books have a certain style and feel to them. They have like glossy covers and and uh, pages, but this feels like one of those like old books you would like find in a library. You know, I, I, it's hard to <laughs> describe it unless you've been on, into libraries a lot, like I have growing up. Um, but this has a very like old school book feel to it. Um, analogic, that, analogic type typography instead of yeah, you know something that reminds of digital in some ways. I think it could be a good comparison. Glossy paper versus matte paper and something that is uh rough at the touch versus something that is very slick mm. uh, and so on also it's it's sensibly lighter if you think uh, compared to most uh glossy paper books where sometimes i mean normally it's good to have a good heavy and hefty book but sometimes some of them feel too heavy uh yeah. like I don't know, there is something in the paper and it's not really the thickness, it's probably just the, the, the composition. And in this case, it's not it's not light at all, but it's it's the right the right feel, the right weight for me. Uh, and yeah, it's very close to what Weizen was for for Free League. Instead, instead in fact, uh, it was like that that they sold me. Uh, the, the the materials and the way they were going to say they were they said we're going to do it like Weizen. And since I had it, okay, that's totally fine for me good idea <laughs> <laughs> now uh i noticed the the art styles maybe not i mean bison has a very distinct art style um and uh, the one ring style is also in a way like design wise similar but the art's very different um when it comes to the art uh of this book uh did you have a, have a lot of say in it did you, was there a direction you wanted to see this book look like yeah absolutely uh because when we were in the early stages of, of discussion about how uh, we would have liked to, to, to see the game come out at the end of the production process, we were brainstorming ideas and uh, Thomas and Martin from Free League um, and I and, and Christian Granat, the, the art director, were very much on the same line, on the same page, uh, because we wanted something that looked uh as natural as possible uh the comparison was were twofold one was like a notebook something that people scribbled on it so the the uh, instead of having for example graphic elements that uh looked perfect and and crisp and so on uh we wanted something that that could have looked like something that was done um quickly something that was part of a of a handwritten book and the other comparison that was done, I think it was a very good one, was uh, comparing the, the, the look of that to the final. Uh, the credits pages, the credit uh, sequences, sequences at the, the end of the Lord of the Rings movies, 
I don't know if you remember that at the end of the movies by Peter Jackson of the Lord of the Rings, they put these graphics that were uh, pencil sketches by Alan Lee and uh, and um, uh, John Howe uh, that were put there together with the credits, and that gave a very natural uh, feel to, to 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 the final uh, sequences of the of, of the movies. And I think they went. They were looking exactly for that, some creamy color and, and the idea of something that was not industrial, but more arts and crafts. <laughs> mm. So uh, I'm looking at the book now uh, and um, I can already see there's a big difference in rule style compared to the first edition one. I remember um, not, not to knock the old edition, but I, I know my players more comfortable playing with the Middle Earth 5e version because the rule system uh, was a little difficult for them to understand. But I noticed with the second edition, uh, incorporating, I assume, the Mutant uh, U0 engine that you guys created, um, it seems like the, the rules seems much more simplified. Um, was that something you were hoping for uh, in creating this book? Uh, yeah, the, the rules for uh, Mutant Year Zero, the system, the house system by Free League, a, uh, I have nothing to do with that. That's a creation by Thomas um, and uh, from Free League and, and the guys at Free League. And they use it in a very clever way, I think, in their games because they adapt it to every different title. Uh, basically, also as if they were designing it for that game, that game world, instead of being a, a generic system that is applied forcefully to, to something. Uh, so, for example, the one year zero, uh, the year zero system for Twilight 2000 is very different from the one used in Bison. Uh, but yeah, as far as I'm concerned, that was simply something that attracted me to Free League because I liked their games and I liked their philosophy for, for game design, where where less is more. Basically, the idea that if you have a uh, if you have a, a functional framework of rules that uh, you can apply to do things without too many clutter, too many uh, excessive fiddliness, it's better because the gameplay is going to, to um, profit from it because you will think less about exactly how to put it in place. Uh, the rules for the One Ring in first edition, uh, I don't regret anything for from uh, the edition of the game at the time because I like very much a lot of things that were in there, uh, but uh, the game also grew in the making and also as publications came out eventually and we didn't we never had the chance to just go back and give a good look to to everything we had and say mm, okay we can get rid of this or rid of that because it's not really used in the game or uh, it actually poses a, a hurdle for new players because uh, it makes the game a little too fiddly uh, so we we did that with second edition. We took this chance. We took since we were there, and that that was a new beginning, a rebooting of the game system. We said, what uh, what are we going to keep? What am I going to keep uh, of the old system? What I'm going to to, to throw away? Uh, the good thing is that uh, the the, the um, it wasn't that difficult because it was not so difficult to 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 see immediately what was excessively complicated and what was making problems for for the players uh now we i'm sure that now the game is getting to in the hands of uh, of the players there will be some of the first edition players that will uh regret some of the of the changes that they will feel like we we threw away too much uh but i'm 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 fairly sure and i'm pretty confident to say that uh try the game first try the new edition first and you will see why 
we threw away some things, even if they feel like they were making sense in first edition. Because many of the things that made sense, actually, you were making them make sense. You were adapting your gameplay to those excessive complications. So I think that what we kept is very much uh, the essence of what in first edition anyway. What <laughs> rules did you keep um, from the uh, first edition that you were happy to translate over to this new edition? Oh, well, there was something that was only hinted at in first edition that we didn't uh, make use extensively. And uh, that was a clever idea. And it was, since you know the game system in the One Ring uses a D12, uh, one single D12 and the number of D6s. Uh, the, the, the feed die, the D12 is uh, the, the heart of the game system because you roll it all the time. You roll it always whenever you take an action or you resist something, you roll the d12 plus a number of d6s based on your skill or your proficiency in something. So uh, sometimes the rules said or some abilities allowed you to roll the d12 twice and keep the best result. And that's something that today is extremely familiar to everyone uh, for the rules of advantage in 5e uh, and in D&D. But it was in the one ring. I'm not, some legends say that someone was inspired by that in the one ring. I'm, I'm not sure I believe that. But in any case, uh, we were, we realized that that was really a simple way in a very effective way to uh, give an advantage to, to, to players. So we amplified that rule. Uh, and basically, the, the rolling the D12 twice and keep the best result sub, uh, changed. Uh, the 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 one thing that we called a favorite role in the old game that was using a different mechanic a more complicated one so now we have a more extensive use of favorite roles in the game that uh, in the end is like uh, a puzzle piece that fell in the right place because it took the place of a more complicated rule and used something that was already being received very well by the by the players mm. So now that this book is is, is um, published, uh, is there anything? What are your like favorite parts about it? Like, was were there anything in it that you were like very happy that you were to include? I, I know before we was we were, you were still trying to work with your team about what can be in this book. Uh, was there anything like yes, we got this in there? <laughs> mm, well, yes. Uh, I, uh, one of the things that uh, one of the lessons I took from from game design in free league is the the landmarks uh, uh, concept that we have now in in the one ring core and we will feature also in future supplements and this comes from the uh, adventure sites concept in forbidden lands by uh, by free league uh, basically uh, forbidden land is, a sort of an old school type of game made in the free league way. It's not simply an OSR type of game. It's not a retro clone. It's a completely new game, but uh, designed as if we were back in the 80s playing uh, hex crawl games and dungeon crawls. Uh, in that game, there's this concept where uh, to, to allow you to play a sandbox uh, instead of having adventures that are divided, you know, in chapters, part one, part two, and so on. And that in many ways, uh, pilot railroad players uh, along 
a, a predetermined, a more or less predetermined ro- uh, route, uh, adventure sites are self-contained places. In in Forbidden Lands, they could be they can be villages, castles, and dungeons, um, and of course they fit very well the the, the background in that game where uh, you have a big big land that was an inaccessible until uh, some time recently, and now it's open for adventure. Now this concept resounded very very appropriately uh, for. Uh, the new background in the game that is the land of uh, Eriador. Uh, we moved the focus of the game from Wilderland, that, where is uh, it was more about uh, the resurgence of of uh, the folk of Wilderland after the the, the death of the Dragon Smog. Uh, we are moving. Um, we moved the background for uh, about twenty years more in the future. And we moved west into into the, the region that is very well known to people having read the Lord of the Rings because it's where the Shire is and so on, but is a, a vastly abandoned land, a barren land because it was once a, a rich kingdom, but that got destroyed uh, centuries ago. That was very appropriate for the idea of isolated places that could be explored by that can be explored by by a fellowship of adventurers instead of being tied to some sort of an overarching plot. So uh, this was something that I, I said, I think we can adopt it, t- this into uh, the way I like to play the One Ring. And this is like making self-contained things that eventually are tied together, but they are tied because of the choices of the players, rather because I, as the lore master, had something, some story in mind. And this is what we're embracing with also the supplements by uh, exploring more of the land of Eriador with, with more landmarks. So that's something I was really happy to give my interpretation of the adventure site concept and place it into Middle Earth and make it feel right for Middle Earth. So besides the core rulebook, you also have the starter set, you have the GM screen and a bunch of other items with it. Um, uh, where, if, if, you mind, if you don't mind sharing, what were some of the challenges you had and um how how did you uh um so, you know defeat them are uh, the challenges uh well um you know one of the challenges was making a starter set that doesn't feel useless to to uh to veteran players because you know a lot of publishers feel the necessity of doing it because all games, especially role-playing games, have a high uh, entry level and, and difficulty curve. They're difficult to get into, especially for new players. So everyone feels the need to make a starter set that will bring new players in. But when you do this, most of the times you, you just do something that is a washed down version of the core, something that people that have the core game really don't feel they need. So. They maybe buy it anyway because they're completists, but yeah, they rue it sometimes, some some way because they say, oh, "Okay, that's I have this, I have this." Um, so that was the challenge. We said, "What can we do uh, to avoid making the starter set like a sort of an introductory adventure, something that, yeah, people will probably use with their nephews once and then put it on the shelf." And so we decided to make something completely different. And the completely different thing is that the starter set is the only place where we do a thorough exploration of the Shire of the Hobbits. The Shire 
we never got into the Shire before in in first edition for several reasons. One of them, uh, one of them being the fact that you have a lot of inf information in the Lord of the Rings, especially in the opening prologue. You don't need a supplement on on the Shire because there's so much in the actual novel uh, for you to 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 just use if you want to go there. And also, the Shire is probably on the opposite spectrum of an adventurous place because it's what it's what most resembles uh like an everyday place out of a modern world so uh but we know that of course Tolkien fans have a soft spot for that and and always want to know more even if you already have a lot of information so what we said was okay how can we do this interesting and we made a, a I think what is a fantastic supplement on the Shire written in a way that uh, everyone I think we love because um, uh, James who wrote it is is very much uh, embodies the spirit of hobbits so well that it transpires from his writing uh, from his from the writing of his Shire source book that is contained there so well that um, you just feel there and we made uh, a, we put a lot of effort in making a very comprehensive map of the Shire for example I am pretty sure that what we created with the help of Francesco Mattioli, uh, that is a cartographer that is quite famous for his work on the Lone Wolf uh, game books, uh, the recreation of the world of Magnamund, um, we, I think, we have created the most complete and comprehensive map of the Shire ever made. Uh, I never found any map anywhere that is even close it comes even close to the map that is in, in the starter set as far as details we also made uh, a lot of effort not to add too much to what is totally canonical we had to do some because talking uh, wasn't just drew a map of part of the shire not all of it so we don't have a full map by by the author but i think that it's something that the fans will really love and we made a small campaign that is based on hobbit characters and again, it's, a, it's something that I feel it's very much an added value is that the, the characters that you use in the game, the pre-generated characters you find in the starter set, they are all historical hobbits, famous hobbits from the books. So, uh, and they are tied together in a way that if you have adventures with them, they're going to make sense with the with the first chapter of the Lord of the Rings, with some of the things that Bilbo says about, uh, with some of the interventions of of during the the his birthday party in the opening chapters of the Lord of the Rings. If you play the game and then you read again the starting chapters of the Lord of the Rings, you will feel like the the characters you played, uh, you know, took a, a new life, have, have an expanded chapter about their their lives that you only know about. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody else <laughs> so let's talk about the future of the one ring um i, I know uh, personally myself i am curious because um looking at how different companies have, have worked on the uh, property before from like the days of ice uh to um to cubicle seven how they produce books that came out for it and it's interesting uh the directions that they made and i, I can't help but to be curious What's free leagues plans exactly? Are they are they thinking about like source books based on locations? Or are they thinking about uh, maybe just do adventures? Like what's what's the is can you share with us like any plans that they may be you every, everyone's brewing over there? <laughs> There's not much I can say for the moment <laughs> because uh, it's still 
Uh, I'm sure that Free League wants to, to, to make some official announcements at some point about the, the, the future of the line. I can only give you some pointers, uh, and, and it's not difficult to, to, you know, to figure out, uh, because if you look at how the company uh, approaches expansions for older game lines, you will see that they're not into the idea of making too many uh, supplements uh, in a short period of time. They like to take their time to do things well. Uh, for example, for Forbidden Land so far, they published uh, a relatively small number of things if you think of other companies, but there's hundreds of playtime in there because they uh, they already published uh, two full campaigns. There's a new one coming out and, and a couple of books of separated adventures. So the idea is basically that is to make intense and uh, really solid supplements coming out for the game that might take more time to, to do uh, compared to, to, the, to the pace of other companies that, that publish stuff. But when you get them, you will have so much to play out of them that uh, and you're going to, to be able to wait for the next. <laughs> so. Uh, in any way, what it is known, and I'm not telling, uh, I'm not giving out any secrets, is that we are finishing Ruins of the Lost Realm, uh, the supplement that was promised during the Kickstarter. That is a, is going into more detail about the detail about the uh, the, the land of Eriador, in with a focus on the city of Tarbad. And so and that will be a new thing for most, the even for veteran role players for play that used to play the One Ring First Edition, because it's going to be a different type of supplement based uh, compared to the to the old ones, because there's a number of landmarks as in uh, as the one presented in the core book uh, from different areas in Eriador, but that also as, as you do with adventure sites with Forbidden Lands, you can place where you want basically uh, some of them are, are historical ones so they are they have a specific location on the map but some others can be arranged based on your campaign and but then we also have what can be described as campaign guidelines so there's a sort of uh, there's a there are a couple of chapters one is a more focused chapter on the city of Tarbat, and another one is a chapter based on what's going on and what's going to happen in the land of Eriador in the next years and even decades uh, based on the gameplay, especially based on the gameplay and what the players do. Uh, so there is a sort, it's very close if you know, if you, well, many games do this, but just to make an example of things that come to my mind are like fronts in, in games like uh, Powered by the Apocalypse, where you have things that uh, in some ways evolve based on what the players are doing so uh things that may happen but may not happen because the players probably prevented it by by doing something else so it's a sort of a reactive uh plot not a meta plot like in other games where this history and future history is already written so that's one thing uh then we also well it's not a surprise that we're working on on moria and <laughs> And, and we're looking into the many ways of making that really uh, exceptional. And, and I'm sure that people will appreciate that <laughs> to, to make it because it's something that is so long in the making and, and, and especially everyone has been thinking about that since day one uh, to see how Moria <laughs> would be. Uh, 
And that's about what I can say, because some of the things will also depend on, on players' feedback once the game is out. Uh, so players can tell us what, what they want to see. We're always listening. And, uh, but yeah, I, I don't want to, to uh, step on the feet of the, of, of the publisher and their own ideas on how to proceed. <laughs> well, well, thank you for sharing that. That's actually really exciting, especially about Moria. Um, so uh, a question about um, when it comes to inspiration from other sources. Now, um, besides, of course, the books, uh, there's been uh, video games like uh, Shadow of Mordor, that were, that's was very popular for some time. And then there's the um, the new Lord of the Rings uh, TV show that's coming out uh, very <laughs> shortly from Amazon. Are 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 you is Free League looking to is looking into that for possible inspiration for other source books or ideas? Or are they just hoping to stick just to the books for now? Or well. Uh... We cannot deny that, of course, we're always uh, we're watching very closely what's going on out there, especially with the Amazon series. We were all glued to the screen watching the the, the that short, excessively short <laughs> uh, title reveal, "The Rings of Power," and and the, the and, and the making of. Uh, last night, I was I was listening to to a streaming uh, radio program that we have here where. All sorts of theories have been have been thrown out there, uh, for all the symbolism of you know the molten metal you've seen, I guess, the 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 the, the title reveal and the water that comes on it is that a reference to Numenor being having engulfed in water and so on. So yeah, it, it's it's very interesting to to engage in this sort of thinking, what's going on, what will happen. I'm very happy to say that. Uh, the Rings of Power TV show at least seems to share something with what I really like in The Lord of the Rings and is the, the depth uh, of the historical uh, of, of history that you have in Middle Earth. It's not simply dealing with, I mean, The Lord of the Rings deals with one year in, 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 in the whole history of, of Middle Earth and The Hobbit too. So, uh, that's why, for example, with the One Ring, we decided to to make a game that is about the span of time that comes from the Hobbit to the Lord of the Rings. That is seventy years, because we really have this idea that the the Lord of the Rings is about the passage of time and and uh, a future, but also the past. So, uh, of course, watching what the the Rings of Power is pointing to makes us think a lot about what can we do eventually to to make uh, to to put into the game more, even more references to to the second age and and things that happened in, in previous ages of the world. So, uh, for licensing limitations, we cannot even think of doing something like a Silmarillion role playing game or something that is is uh, connected to 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 the Amazon TV show and stuff like that. But nothing prevents us to continue doing what we do. And one thing that we like to do is exactly this: is to to allow the game to be able to look to the past for, for inspiration. So, for example, looking for lost artifacts and looking into the, the I don't know, for example, what happened to, to, to the Seven Rings of the Dwarves. We know that they, they, it's been said they've been destroyed, but it seems that the Thrine had won. So, uh, hmm. yeah, a lot of gray areas we can, we can explore. 
that can be also cleverly used as a sort of a tie-in to, to, to the Rings of Power TV show. Hmm. One thing that players in the past uh, have always uh, tried to grapple with is the lack of creatures in Lord of the Rings. Um, there's, in the older older game systems, um, there's been discussion about like, okay, if you add too many new creatures, that, that takes away the spirit away from Lord of the Rings. But then people say, well, you can't just fight orcs all the time. Um, if I may ask, what is freely thinking about when it comes to the, the best theory? Are you sticking straight to the books? Are you thinking about uh, being more creative and go beyond that? Uh, what are your thoughts? And again, you know, you don't have to, if it's something that freely gets to talk about. No, it's of course, it's of course a very uh, delicate question uh, because uh, the heart of many fantasy role-playing games lies exactly in the variety of opponents because they were they're basically based about fighting monsters and so dnd has always been for example about having multiple monster manuals monster manual one and two and so on because you need hundreds of those you don't really need hundreds but but you like to to have the option of of you know surprising your players with something that is completely different from what they faced before uh, and that's exactly in opposition to 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 the Lord of the Rings, apparently, because uh, because yeah, you have a finite number of of creatures that have been described in the stories. One way that we took was, for example, in the core, uh, it was a stretch goal actually in the in the Kickstarter, but uh, we embraced the idea of of incorporating it into the core. It it is the 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 fact that we put the nameless things. Um, creation rules in the core uh, and this allows the, the, the lord master to create a limitless number of critters uh, that uh, tie to the to to that um, represent creatures like the watcher in the water uh, in the pool outside of the moria gate the western moria gate or even possibly shelob or even some some corrupted uh, uh, corrupted uh, tree uh, and so on. So uh, also there are sentences by Gandalf and 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 other characters that uh, that uh, reference that there are older things that Sauron that that knows at the roots of the world or something like that. So uh, a sort of a Lovecraftian reference to to the existence of of monsters that are even impossible to to be described and that have no name so that's why we call the, the the those rules the nameless things rules so that's that adds of course a level of things that, that relies a lot on the creativity of the lord master to make them feel like they're part uh, they, they don't they do belong to middle earth uh, but yes i know it's a very fine thread to 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 find path to follow because for example Considering what we did with first edition, there were a couple of instances where I regret a little bit not having cut out some some creatures because they don't really feel like part of of the of the game. For example, I remember basilisks. Uh, it's something that we put into the heart of the wild, and it's something that I don't know feels too much like part of the Middle Ages and uh, and and too much like from a different type of game. In general, what we try to do is to make uh, to to refer to to actual folklore and and legends 
so that we can uh, create something that feels like it belongs. And of course, especially if it is some folklore from the British Isles, so things that the, 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 that the Tolkien himself might have done when he was inventing his own creatures. Uh, if you think of the Barrow White, the Barrow White, of course, is, uh, I mean, of course, Tolkien came out with something like that because we have barrows in England. <laughs> you have many of those in, uh, on the hills and so on. So it's, it's easy to, to just think about a creature that lives inside a barrow. And so we're trying to do the same thing, the thinking about creatures living in swamps and marshes and locks and stuff like that. So uh, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you're working on outside of the One Ring that uh, you want to share or, or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, I'm working on <laughs> a lot of different things because uh, since a couple of years, me and Marco Maggi, my co-designer, we are uh, we have been working on uh, on a semi-exclusivity deal with Simon, called Mini or Not, the company doing Zombicide and and other board games. So we are putting together, we're developing their, uh, their narrative and storytelling department, uh, mainly dealing with role-playing games, but not only, but also with narrative games. One, the first thing that you will see, uh, well, there's something already out because we designed the Zombicide role-playing game called Zombicide Chronicles. And also there's a game called Trudvang Legends, Trudvang Legends that will come out that has been developed by the team. And so we're working on several role-playing game projects and, and several board games that has that share one thing in common and that they are all totally thematic games. Uh, so either heavily thematic board games or role-playing games. And, and that has been what we've been doing mainly for the last couple of years and, and we will be doing for a while. The only drawback is that the company is the schedule of the company is so far into the future that I can't say anything about <laughs> any of the projects for the moment. But at least one will be revealed very, very shortly, probably a couple of weeks or so. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about the One Ring RPG. Congratulations. And I can't wait to play this. And um, <laughs> to our viewers out there, uh, stay safe. If you Thank find... you to you too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, everyone take care. Have a great day, everyone.